I play real sports. I'm not trying to be the best at exercising. I don't think Murrayfield has ever buzzed with the same air of feverish anticipation as at this very moment, as one of the great sporting occasions is about to unfold. Welcome to episode two of season two of the podcast. Um, bit of a different one today. For start, it's I think our first ever Friday night match. Uh, and secondly, we're two man tonight. It is just me and Mo. A Friday night two ball. The finest two ball. Um, yeah, you could have on a Friday night. Not trying to sort of. Well, some would argue. Some would argue, some wouldn't. Um, unfortunately, well, it depends how you look at it. Uh, we look at it that, unfortunately, Fraser is off to Australia. He is going to be a man down under. So he is, for the next two or three weeks, no longer with us. However, we are going to have uh, his expert opinion uh, come through the, the medium of WhatsApp voice notes, which is very exciting. The world is very small these days. It is, it is. Um, so we've got a pretty busy show, actually, because we're going to have to... Obviously, we haven't recorded since the matches last weekend, so we're going to chat through those. Obviously, we've got this weekend coming up, and then we'll touch on other bits and bobs that have gone on during the week. Sound good? Let's do it. Smashing. All right, uh, to start, start with Ireland, shall we? We shall. We shall. Mo, you struggled away on uh, on the weekend against Fiji. Talk me through. Talk me through your top line thoughts on that. Following what was a you know a massive scalping or not scalping anymore, but a massive sort of destruction of South Africa, it would you'd have thought that you were gonna go through Easy Street there, no? Yeah, I think the bookie spread was 24, 25, 26 points, depending on where you looked, um, which was definitely a, probably generous. Um, we did go, I think, 17-3 up um, and looked pretty comfortable and then conceded just before half time. Um, obviously, we'd made 13 changes, so there's not much familiarity out there and um, lack of experience in a lot of positions. But I felt that at that score... Um, I think then early in the second half, Dave Carney was um, breaking out of his own 22 and threw that intercept pass, and that's probably a that's probably one a 14 point swing. Um, and they kind of we were always told never give a sucker an even break, and I think that's exactly what we did, and we we kind of let them grow into the game. Um, and then Carberry's injury came, and um, you know we ended up having to hang on late, which in fairness um, was good to see Ian Keatley come on. Um, he's had his detractors over the last 18 months um, but knocked over a couple of good kicks and had, had a good uh, impact when he came on and uh, ultimately ultimately saw it out so um, I don't know how much you, you can learn from those games maybe arguably you learn more learn more from that than you do a 50 point drubbing it was a good Fiji side yeah. and um, 
they force you to be just disjointed. Um, I felt like we lost our shape a little bit. Um, you know, ended up men down in rooks um, and getting turned over quite a number of times. Whereas when you play against a more structured team, and certainly with our with our first team, who are probably more better drilled and more uh, well drilled, certainly under Joe specifically, um, those errors just don't happen. But I think the combination of the lack of experience and the way that Fiji um, want to force you to play an unstructured game, um, it's very easy to kind of fall into that trap and, and you end up hanging on. So good to get the, the W in the end, I suppose, um, because it keeps the momentum, you know, if any, keep going in the right direction or certainly not going backwards. Um, and I think we got to see no one probably stepping up in particular, but maybe there was a couple that, um, you know, he felt that he's left out um, McCluskey altogether this week. Obviously, Dave Carney had come in and, and has gone back out altogether. Uh, and then he's obviously given a few guys um, another go this week at a, at a slightly a bigger stage. So that's, that's good to see as well. Uh, and your boy, I mean, you've been long hoping that he would get into the squad. Sweetenham went all right last week. Yeah, he's he's a proper uh, a proper Joe Schmidt player, I think. Um, Oddly, not included in this weekend, though. Or like, yeah, at all. well, obviously they had um, Stockdale, Adam Byrne, and Sweetenham in, and it seems now like they've essentially rotated to give them all a chance. So, mm. uh, Sweetenham had his had his run off the bench against South Africa, and then a full start. Um, Stockdale is going to have two full starts, and then Byrne is going to get get a full start for himself as well. So, I actually expected that. Sweetenham might have got another run, but when you look at it, I suppose if he was prepared to pick Adam Byrne in the squad at all in the first place, then he might as well get a run out. So um, it's a it's, huge day for him tomorrow. Um, at a he's pretty, got to say, likely um, to be the last chance he'll get until the summer tour now. Well, and I would then, think so. I, I mean, it, it'll take a few injuries um, you know, for him to get in, but it's one of those where he's a chance to put his hand up, and on the flip side, if he, if he doesn't, um, you know, it could be a long time until we see him again, but it's a huge opportunity for him. Um, he's got a bit of um, a bit of experience around him, but at the same time, with uh, with Stockdale on the other wing and with Farrell at outside centre, um, I think between them, it's a only single figure single figure cap. So um, it's a bit of a, a bit of a mix in the back line. Obviously, with with Sexton and Murray still there, it gives. Um, Farrell certainly a better chance than he had last week, and and Adam Burnett chance hopefully to get on the ball a little bit as well. So like you say, it's unlikely that we we'll, uh, he'll get a chance in the Six Nations, but of course if we get some injuries and we need to use him, uh, we'll have a better idea, uh, you know whether whether we can put him in there or not. And I think, especially in, in the wing position, I mean you still got guys like Bow and Trimble, um, kind of sitting in the wings, and if push came to shove, you could probably call them on them again because Joe knows what he gets with them. But at this point, he ages against them. And, and point, he may as well see what he's got with the, with the with the with the up and coming guys. Exactly, and when you're two years out from a World Cup, I mean, love Tommy Bow, especially from his time at Ospreys, but he's not the guy you want to be using right now. With you know, with no, that uh, absolutely not. But but that's where I think getting Sweetenham and Burn or the likes of them a run out now, um, and if if you know they do enough that Schmidt feels they can be he can rely on them again Six Nations or whenever the bigger occasion comes great and if he doesn't well he still knows what Bowen Trimble offer him so I think there's that kind of yeah they're a very that. handy fallback I'd say ideally in Schmidt's mind he never has to cap either of them ever again but he knows he can if 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 it kind of comes to that so yeah. it's it's a it's a nice position to be in um personally I would say that there would need to be at least two injuries for for the them um, to, to get back in um at this stage 
Yeah, exactly. Um, but Don't... I think Sweetenham, Sweetenham in particular went very well. Superb skill set. Uh, obviously got a um, pretty simple try uh, against Fiji. Um, but just defensively looked very comfortable. Um, he was marking Nandolo, which is no mean feat. Um, and, and, you know, all the way. Um, I think actually got random once with it with a grubber kick. He, he generally coped okay, and he just very good with the high ball, makes good decisions, very low air count, all the things that you'd feel uh, Joe Schmidt is looking for. So yeah, yeah, good couple of weeks for him, and great to get that kind of exposure in the squad as well. Going looking at the game on a whole, though, it's kind of um, from a stats perspective. Ireland had seventy percent of the ball and seventy four percent of territory, yet you know, only scored three tries and we're only three points out of sight from Fiji. Now, obviously, that what that tells you is that Fiji used their ball and their position in the field very well. But uh, although it was, as you say, 13 changes to the squad or to the team, Schmidt can't be happy with that kind of um, lack of clinicalness. No, I, I don't think so. I mean, I, you know, it was frustrating enough to watch and certainly we weren't clinical. And we, like I say, we got a little bit further. We got into their half. We got a little bit disjointed and, um, like I said, got isolated and turned over a number of times, and obviously, um, that intercept try that'll always skew the stats a little bit because that can actually be on our attack and ends up with um seven points in, in their favor. Um, but there's certainly things that um you know he won't be happy with, and even though that it is um a second string team, he's obviously demanding standards of those players and to fit into the same system. Um, you know that that they're playing in in, in training week on week. Um, so, uh, strangely, I think Schmidt. Uh, he normally, when we have a good performance or someone in particular has a good performance, he'll he's very quick to say, "Well, there, you know, work ons or things they could do better." And um, you know, he's he's slow to give praise. Um, but he actually uh, uh, name checked quite a few people after, even though I thought that maybe that was generous enough of him. So it's interesting his his approach uh, with the media. He's he can be tough to read. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so looking to this weekend then, I suppose you, you've got two out of two wins. What what do you see Argentina throwing at you this weekend? What do you see, uh, you know, what do you define as a good result? I find it very tough to kind of assess what Argentina are going to bring. They've obviously, you know, looked pretty below par against England. At the same time, I think they missed five kicks and would have been right there only for that. Um, but England weren't I mean, at their they ba- best kick, either. If they had been able to kick against England, it was the worst I've seen England play in a long time. If they'd been yeah. able to kick, it, Argentina would have won that game. And I actually thought Argentina were pretty pants that day too. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that. And then obviously they had a decent win out in Italy, I think 30 points to 15 or so, which is is never a bad result out there. Um and then obviously they're playing all of the rugby against the, the top sides in the world at the moment, and they're, albeit they're losing most of their games, but they're, the level they're playing at is, is very, very high. So um, I'm actually, uh, I see some bookies have, what spread did we say earlier? Minus, Minus 12. 17. I saw so, yeah, 15, 16, 17 in places. I would be astounded if we beat uh, them by 17. For me, any win at all would be a very good result. Um, it's going to be, I think, dry, but very, very cold. But hopefully um, we get a chance to, to play a bit and move them around. But then obviously um, Argentina aren't worth the wear and just a team that will try and um, drag in and bully and gouge you and do all of that. They can actually play a bit out the back as well. So um, like I say, I think it's, it's a hard one to assess. It's because of the kind of different levels that we've seen them playing at um, and the different varying results that they've had. Like I say, 
being up against New Zealand um, not that many weeks back um, after 60 minutes, uh, albeit they lost the game. But I mean, that's a, that's a huge level to be competing at, um, and then to be you know looking pretty pretty well below par against um, England a few weeks ago. Like I say, it's very hard to tell. But I think this will be their last run out. Am I right of the of, of a long season? Uh, they have a, not a lot of travel. Um, yeah, in the rugby championship. They and I think now uh, they won't play now until I believe Wales are touring Argentina next summer. So yeah, this is this is their end of season. So it could go either way. It could be like right. Let's well, go I, out I think and get with one that big last performance. Yeah, and I, I think if you let them into the game, they're thinking you know let's go out in a high here and enjoy a night out in Dublin and kind of end a season high. But at the same time, if you can get your nose in front and kind of beat them down into the early into the second half. They're probably going to roll over. So um, personally, that's the way I see this game going. Having watched them against England, and I say they probably could have won it, and that's you know against a team that have only lost once in the last two years. So you know that would seem like they were going pretty well, but I just thought they looked knackered, and I think Schmidt will have identified that. And I think, as you say, first 20, 30 minutes probably pull them into a bit of an arm wrestle. Definitely don't let them build their confidence because I think outside of maybe Australia and New Zealand, on their day, Argentina are probably one of the most scary counter-attacking teams going. They can throw the ball, they play such nice rugby. But I think a year from a club and international perspective of constantly getting beat on, I think that they probably can't wait for this season to end. And if Ireland get a few, you know, a couple of scores ahead early, I think the heads will drop. And it could. I think you could easily see that minus 17 spread getting, getting reached and getting surpassed. Yeah, well, obviously, I hope you're right. I'm going down to the game, so uh, looking forward. To also looking forward, in particular, to seeing uh, young James Ryan who gets a go in the in the second row alongside Henderson. So that's a little bit of a, a glimpse into the into the future. Um, and he, oh, he's twenty one. Twenty one, and Six he actually made his debut for Ireland. Stone, big boy. Yeah, big boy, and growing to do probably. But he was he actually made his debut for Ireland in the summer without having played for Leinster. So, um. He was 20s captain and, and was phenomenal at that tournament. Um, so, yeah, he, he was dropped in uh, in the last few weeks and um, has showed up well, so he, he gets his chance. Um, and, uh, what about so that'll be Farrell? good to see. And obviously against an, an Argentina pack, that's um, you know that's proper um, kind of top-tier tier level that he'd face. And then Farrell, obviously, at outside centre, is the other interesting selection. I don't, I don't know much about him. How did he go, how did he go last week in particular? From a, someone that was watching yeah, well, he's his kind of his path is interesting. He's a an Ulster man who then went to Fra- kind of fell out of favour at Ulster, went to France, was right. in Grenoble for a couple of years, and then came back to Munster, obviously to try and um, I guess get a look at the air setup. Massive unit, six foot four. I don't know what he is. Definitely sixteen and sixteen stone. Seventeen and a half stone, according to Ultimate Rugby. Yeah, well, believe it. He is a unit when you see him. Um, can play 12 or 13, but Munster have been playing him outside uh, Scannell. Um, he's obviously a very different player to the Gary Ringrose mould, um, but he actually has a bit of skill about him and can pass. So um, I didn't think he, he did anything you know particularly well last week, but obviously enough that um, you know Joe Fancy gave him another go, and obviously a lot easier for him to shine outside of a Murray Sexton Aki. Well, a headshot uh, injury obviously helps that. You'd have, you'd have suspected that Joe. Yeah, well, I, I listened to the actually listened to the press conference earlier, and as one of those where Joe said he probably could have had a push played headshot, but a little bit of a hamstring a twinge, and you know, again, if you're gonna if you're gonna take a chance, now is when you're gonna do it. So, um, it'll be good to see and a chance for him to put his hand up. Obviously, it's we're very competitive in there with Ringo's coming back as well, but the nature of 
international rugby is now that you're always going to have a few injuries and, mm. and we need more than um, the kind of front line. Okay. So, um, head over heart tomorrow. What do you think the What do you think is going to be? What you know is it Is it going to be that close close result, even potentially a loss, or are you gonna are you gonna smash them? Uh, I think Iron by seven. Okay, Iron by seven. Uh, I'm trying to look at what the odds are on on the game. I know that we've talked about the spread, but hold on, just getting this up. Slick podcasting here. Uh, Stockdale is only six to one. Score first. Fancy yeah. that. You should. You need to have a producer looking up those. Uh, I know. I need a. I need stats a, for you. I need a second-hand man, but <laughs> it'd be weird to have a guy lying in bed with me right now, which is where I'm currently <laughs> podcasting from because it's really cold in my flat. I've even got the duvet on. Well, what an image for everyone to absolutely digest. Have that on your Friday night or your Saturday morn walk. Indeed. Um, that's the player I'd be most excited about watching from an Ireland perspective. I won't watch it because annoyingly, once again, we are playing at the same time, Wales and Ireland, which means my favourite pub is out of out of limits for me uh, because it is an Irish pub. Mm, and yeah, the autumn scheduling is a nightmare. I've even, so I mean, I've shit. still not watched the full, even last week our game was on at the same time as, uh, as, as Scotland, yeah. uh, New Zealand, yeah. So I'm flicking forward and back and obviously I've got a vested interest in Ireland but that was a cracking game and you end up kind of seeing half of both and it's just, yeah, long, long for the days of the Six Nations and give me three back-to-backs. I had a dream setup last weekend as I showed you in my picture. So I had the dual screen going on and Ireland were on mute on the right-hand screen and but I barely was able to pay any attention because the Scotland game was so enthralling. Um, so, uh, yeah. So... Yeah, yeah. Well, like I said, we're we're gonna have to. I'm gonna be at the game, so I won't see any of your game. Um, but I hope to be watching Scotland Australia. Um, from the high stool, but we'll come to that in a minute. Your uh, fortunes then last weekend weren't uh, as you'd hoped. Did I even hear you say at one point that you hoped Georgia would win the game? Uh, well, I never thought they'd win, but yeah, uh, absolutely. Did you hope they'd win? No, I never hope. I mean, at the beginning of the game, I was hoping that we and I, I, I said on the WhatsApp group that I thought because the way Wales started, we were we were twenty twenty five minutes. I thought we looked great. We were, I mean, admittedly against Georgia, but I thought we were throwing the ball around. Priestland was Priestland was swaggering his way around the park. Reese Webb was making darts. I just thought everything looked good, um, and then Georgia just turned it exactly as we thought they would and exactly as Wales shouldn't have ever let them do, they turned it into an arm wrestle and we, we failed massively to, take adva- to, to, to win that arm wrestle. And yeah, it was... So yeah, when we were camped on our, on our five-meter line with, well, in the red, I was, yeah, I was thinking I wouldn't mind if Georgia draw this. And especially after we ended up cheating, well, okay, I won't... Be as bold as that because they've said that there was absolutely you know there's no allegedly brand, allegedly cheating, um, <laughs> but it looked pretty. It looked like Scott will be seeing to, you in the high court. He will be. Uh, it looked like Skull Doggery to me, and it was just the fact that we needed to allow ourselves. Oh, so we needed to to be brought to a level where we had to play silly buggers with props to actually beat Georgia. Hmm. Um, yeah, it's very I think, frustrating. I think from your point, it's not the fact that. Georgia could compete with you in an arm wrestle. It's the fact that you let them reduce it to an arm wrestle. Hundred percent, exactly, exactly that. So, as I say, we 
we started well. Reese Webb made one really nice break, and then our try, which we scored fairly early on, we it was it came from a lovely move. Uh, it was actually quite Ireland when you know Sexton and O'Driscoll used to link up. So uh, mm -hmm. it was it was it was reminiscent of that. Priestland played a ball to Scott Williams. Their winger comes shooting out. He has no idea where he is. Scott Williams plays a little little switch back to, to Priestland and then he plays a lovely little floated ball over the top to Amos who scores. And after that, we then had a another try probably, that was on the 20th minute and then about five, five or so minutes later, Amos went the length of the pitch to score again, but the referee had judged that uh, it was a, we'd knocked the ball on or we it was, it was the ball had gone forward and off a rip from Nicky Smith. I thought that was a bit harsh because it looked like it went off a Georgian player's head. Georgia then come back, win the scrum penalty as they do, and by goodness, they are good at scrumming. Um, and they kick the three points in the game. Then all of a sudden, it just gets back to their level, and we just couldn't. And again, it's nervy. It, it, it did, and you could, it, but it's it is every single every single time we play one of these tier two nations. We just never, ever turn it on. Yeah, I think I put a, a screenshot of, of the last five games, was it, or against Tier 2 Nations? Yeah, um, I'll try and find it. Yeah, and the, the results don't make good reading. No, it's... We do it every year where we try and play a game. We, you know, we try and mix loads of youth players in, which I'm completely for, and I think for... for you know, when you're two years out from a World Cup, you, you have to use these opportunities because... You know, you can't just throw loads of new players in against New Zealand or Australia, even though to an extent we are this this uh, this uh, campaign. But it's an experimental side without any experimental play, and that I think can, that is should basically be what Rob Howley puts on his CV. Because <laughs> well, it, it's like uh, I said during the week when it gets to the point with any sports team where fans are kind of thinking ah, it mightn't be the worst thing if we lost this game um you know the end is is near you know it's just time to start afresh yeah exactly you see it in football a little bit obviously there's Wenger out and stuff like that but for you last week to be even contemplating that a, a defeat might be for the greater good um yeah you've gone that's the term it's the greater good and i think i there was part of me that was thinking right if we draw here if georgia score from this scrum or line out and then we inevitably lose to new zealand and then we potentially scrape past a very poor south africa side or even lose to them does that does that sort of spell the end do they then go right okay we're two years out from a world cup and we're really going backwards uh i don't i, I probably wouldn't but um, yeah, there was part of me that was thinking this 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 could be the best thing for Welsh rugby is to have one terrible autumn, with the view that we could get an innovative coach in, bring some life into it, and maybe have a crack in the twenty nineteen World Cup. Because, and I watched an interview with uh, Tulipe Falatau uh, earlier on today, and it, towards the end of it, he said something that was quite poignant, where he talked about how the first two. So at the start of his international career, he went. World Cup semi-final, and then he won his first two Six Nations. One of them was a Grand Slam. And he was saying that the, the way that the Welsh squad felt like then, they generally felt that the Six Nations was quite easy and that they just expected to win it. Because he gets asked the question, you know, what's next for you? You've been on two Lions, what would you like to do? And, you know, would it be the World Cup? And he says, yeah, that would be great, obviously. But to be honest, 
I'd quite like to win a Six Nations again. And that, I think, speaks volumes to how much we've gone backwards as a team. And this is while, if you think about how young Faletau, North, uh, Sam Warburton, uh, Jonathan Davis uh, were back in 2011, this is when mm-hmm. we're now between 2013 and They're now. In their they, prime. Should, they should be in their peak and they should, we should be a team that is winning things with what could be described as a fairly golden, uh, golden generation of players. But we seem to be re- regressing. Um, so that's... Yeah. that's that for me, for me on, the, on the coaching side, like, I mean, Gatlin's achievements obviously speak for themselves mm-hmm. and obviously, you know, in, whatever, in a certain capacity, he's a very good coach. But... I think all coaches run their run their course, and I think listening this, to the same voice, no matter how you know inspiring or how interesting they are, um, you know, after a while it just becomes a bit monotonous, and I feel and that's you've just been very stagnant the, for a few for a few years now, you know. Since since the twenty thirteen um, Six Nations, and I think since that twenty thirteen Lions, I just I think even since then we haven't really had a heart in it we obviously in 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 or gats and the team haven't i think in the 2015 world cup they did and um you know we to an extent although we lost to australia and south africa and you know we went with the biggest list of injuries you could possibly have at a world cup and still managed to get to the quarterfinals so obviously there was still some fire in them there but i i, I think he's kind of had his eyes on the fact that he's probably getting a big bonus at the 10-year you, you, me- you mentioned this. Well, I, and I could it's be wrong, cynical I of don't want to slander or libel, whatever it is. I 100% though read not that long ago that Gats had either, it was either a direct quote from Gats or that someone was saying that they'd been told by Gats that he has a massive bonus coming to him after 10 years. And that would be this next Six Nations coming. So, is there a sense that he's just holding on for his big payoff? I don't know. We'll see. That's a very cynical thing to say, and I'm sure that if someone said that to him, even though I'm pretty sure he said it himself, that he wouldn't be best pleased. But there we are. I don't know. Well, put it this way. I don't think he's... uh, He's not getting sacked, is he? Like, regardless. I don't know. Like, there's been tiny little step changes, like, over the last two, three months. You know, they've already come out, the WRU have already come out and said that they are, they're actively seeking his replacement now. So, you know, that's two years out. You could well, say that's, that that's, just, that's just good what are, you, what are you looking, Scarlet's? Uh, you'd have to say that, I'd, I'd suggest that Die Young would be up there. I'd say if Wayne Pivak and the Scarlets Indeed. keep going the way they're going. Live he, fast, die young. Indeed. Although, you know, the, uh, Wasps have played an excellent brand of rugby over the last couple of seasons, but they've also done it with an absolutely huge budget. Whereas mm-hmm. uh, the Scarlets have been sort of transformed as a team that Wayne Pivak picked up a couple of seasons ago, two, three seasons ago, into now, you know, probably the most attractive team to watch in the Pro 12 uh, Pro 14 sorry oh, and that's, that's no doubt. and that's that's down to the work between him and Stephen Jones and I think they would be the favourites right now if Gatlin was to go tomorrow they would be the that would be the team I would say yeah let's get them in um, but yeah I don't think so anyway we, we regress mm. a little bit um, 
the George we've also, very we've also we've also digressed. You have New Zealand this weekend, and we t- yeah, sorry, we digressed. Fine. <laughs> uh, the you do find when you know when your backs against the wall, there's you can only go forward. Is that what they say? Like they do, and I don't want to be too doom and gloom because two weeks ago, I you know yeah, we lost to Australia. I you know I did. I talked about how I'd seen in that game that there was definitely some signs of progression, know, us, progression, and us trying to, you know, bring in this new uh, expansive game of rugby. I don't want to judge Wales as a rugby playing team or against, you know, on the performance of against Georgia because that's it's not exactly yeah. how you know it's thirty. I don't know how many changes we made. I think it was fourteen changes, um, and then Liam Williams dropped a fullback, which ultimately has proved a terrible decision to play him in that game because he's now out of the New Zealand match. Um, so, And he's stuck this week with Owen Williams at 12, which I'm happy with. You know, I think if we given that as a one-game experiment, what's the point? I think he has to be given that chance. Absolutely. Uh, uh, and, you know, Reese Webb's back at nine, which we missed against Australia. So you've got him, bigger Williams. Unfortunately, Jonathan Davis is out. So Scott Williams, who's not a natural 13, in my opinion, he doesn't have the, he doesn't have the eye for the outside break as much. Um, sadly, Liam Williams is out, but Steph Evans and Hallam Amos, I'm excited to see what they do on the wings. They're both really busy wingers. They're both also really intelligent wingers. They look to keep the ball alive. They don't just run down blind, ch- uh, blind alleys. They like to try and play little chips. They look for the ball constantly. So that'll be exciting to see, but I must say I'm not I'm not feeling overly positive about getting a result. No, I mean if you could take if you could get respectable performance tomorrow and a win next week, um, you'd probably bite my hand off, wouldn't you? Yeah, I'd say so. I, I I'd like to Wales to at least be what we usually are against New Zealand, which or not usually, but what we tend to be, which is at least in with a plucky. shout, a, a plucky and with in with a shout coming into the last ten minutes, which is usually when they go right. We've had enough of this, and they just smash us. The one thing I am a little surprised by uh, from the selection point of view is, well, there's two, actually. Corey Hill has been named as the substitute uh, lock. I would have really liked to see Seb Davies, who's the young um, uh, Cardiff Blues uh, lock, who played eight last week, but I'd have loved to have seen him on the bench. He didn't get any chance. He didn't get any game time against Australia. He played two. He played both the tests in the summer, and I thought he was really good. Um, I would have liked to see him get a bit more game time against a tier one nation. Um, and then the other one is the return of the dock, which the return of the dock. It's it's just a weird one because I've not seen anything that would suggest that Owen Watkin has been injured. I know he's got two runouts this weekend, but I just I don't see us. Oh, Moff, mute your phone. Sorry, my phone has gone a bit mental here. You're a popular man, I've always said it. Uh, I don't see Jamie Roberts playing for Wales in the 2019 World Cup. I'm surprised he's even playing for Wales just now, to be honest, uh, despite you know, all, all of the you know, success he's had and the, you know, what he's given to Wales over the years. So, yeah, a little odd to see Roberts on the bench instead of Watkin, but, yeah, that was the only odd thing. Uh, New Zealand side looks, even without also, Kieran Reid. Also, at, at 13. Sorry, well, just to... No, I think he's covering, he's covering twelve and thirteen, I guess. Okay, but I suppose yeah. What what what's going to be interesting though, and I put this on Twitter is, 
if Owen Williams goes down early tomorrow, do Wales, or when most people would be listening to this today, um, do Wales immediately abandon the game plan and go back to Jamie Roberts? Or do or does Priestland come in at 12? Or Priestland go in at 10 and Dan Bigger go to 12? That will be interesting to see if that if that happens. I hope it doesn't because I really want Owen Williams to get another chance to play ball for you know 70 minutes or so. Um, but yeah, that will be interesting to see the call that they make there. Absolutely. Uh, it'll be, like I say, I won't, I won't see it live, but I'll watch the result with interest. I mean, the only, I mean, obviously a win aside for Wales and absolute hockey would be the the only eyebrow raiser for me, really. Yeah, and you could just see the, how happy the New Zealand media would be if they... Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> they were given Gats... I mean, Gatland, sorry, at this point, if we, if we would have spoken certainly three, four, five years ago, um, of Gatlin's kind of path to, to getting the, the big gig that he wants down in New Zealand. He's a long way away from that now, isn't he? I, I can't see a, a, world, a way that he gets that job now. His relationship with the, the New Zealand media is so spiky. He, you know, he, he really dug them out after the Leinster, and they were not nice to him, in fairness. They really talked about yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but uh, in his press conference in the week, they were... They were sort of asking him questions and uh, that pretty probing questions, which because apparently in his new book coming out, he'd said that he could tell stories about the New Zealand, uh, you know, rugby setup, which would be explosive. And then one of the journalists said, like, pose this to him. And he was just like, that's ridiculous. I never said the word explosive. Check the quote. And then when they did actually check the quote, he, he had said the word explosive. So, yeah, he's he's not got a particularly good relationship there. But yeah, and and also his. Well, uh, maybe I can't talk for the New Zealand Rugby Union, but certainly media and fans-wise, um, I don't think he'd be producing a brand that they would be happy with coming to their shores. Yeah, exactly. I think playing style, I can't see him fitting into that world, especially with Rob Howley as his assistant coach. Can you imagine him coaching <laughs> Bowden Barrett? <laughs> <laughs> Poor old Robbie has got a few patterns on this on this podcast. <laughs> oh, but that would be hilarious if the, yeah. if Rob Howley's next job was to take on the take on the Kiwis. Yeah, no, that we'll not we'll not be seeing that not in my lifetime, yeah. um, and especially with there's just quite a range of very high standard coaches out there as well. So um, yeah, it, well, very interesting to see where he does go. Probably back to i don't know new zealand and that and a, um if, oh, I if you he doesn't say here back to new zealand and a, oh well no highly i do know where he'll go oh i could see um, Gats going back to another um another club side premiership yeah i could see him going back to the premiership yeah maybe i don't know what is i don't know was like maybe he's no desire to go back to new zealand apart unless that job was on offer eddie jones um, so i'm really speaking at, way out way out of turn here eddie jones isn't very good at going past four years in a job so you could see him either winning the World Cup with England and then just bailing or l losing and then bailing the World Cup. And then Baxter taking on the um, England job and, yeah, Gats might fit in at Exeter. No, thank That's, you. Well, you might see that. Called it here first, two years out. Well, heard, if it happens, you certainly heard it here first. You can dig it up. Yeah, I would. I would absolutely dig that um, up. Uh, and then speaking the bigger of, news than all of that, the bigger news up from yeah. the past. I think we're both trying to make the same <laughs> link. <laughs> Mine was a little bit slicker, 
because I related it to the subject we were on. Um, <laughs> go on, you can say it. Well, we're getting Mike married. Is... <laughs> I'm certainly not getting married. Handsome Mike is uh, is back. How far away would you say you are from getting married? In years. In years and in stages. How many stages are there between Friday night sitting on your own recording a podcast and being married? <laughs> Have you got any cans? Uh, I had a few glasses of wine at my dinner. That was the height of it. Just on your own? Yeah. For a few? Tomorrow I'm going, well, two small ones, yeah. All right, okay. Nice. What Stop interrogating me. Sorry. Uh, yeah, sorry. Handsome Mike is back. In the weirdest rugby news of the week, um, the Scarlets have just randomly called up Mike for two games. Has he been retired since May? Yeah, I guess so. From Seal? Yeah. Like I get, um, He was playing, what, a few games here and there? Him and Stringer were sharing the role at Seal, were they? Yeah, they were sharing. No, he was playing regularly. It was just Combined yeah. 127 years of experience. It was just yeah, job sharing between the two oldest guys in the world. Actually, no, Stringer's way older than Mike. That's not fair. But, um, yeah, a bit random. I'd say he keeps himself, because of pure vanity, he keeps himself in fine fettle. Well, I would have said, like, yeah, gym-wise, he's, he'll be sculpted for the rest of his life, but I wouldn't have thought he was banging out many, you know, shuttle drills. Like. No, but uh, he's only, I think he's only there for two games, and you'll probably And, like, play... are, they, are they completely... Showing a scrum halves or what's the basis well, of it? Two of them are with Wales. Two, you know, they got Gareth Davis and and uh, actually th- three. They got Gareth Davis, uh, two. Sorry, Gareth Davis and Alan Davis are both with Wales. Uh, and then their fourth choice scrummy got injured on the weekend in the Anglo Welsh. So uh, they needed a they needed a new guy to take up to take to South Africa. Hmm. So and you reckon? What do you reckon he's getting paid? Ten G's for the for the bit of work? Couldn't possibly tell you, but yeah, probably. Well, no, he's not going to get paid that much money for two games. No, Forty minutes not. of rugby. I don't know. He'd get paid in a few pints and a nice trip to South Africa. Yeah, fair pay him. Yeah, absolutely. I hope he goes well. Um, all right, we're now going to try something a little bit different because Fraser's not here. We are going to move on to the Scotland topic without him um we do have some rather lengthy voice notes from him and his thoughts on the matter which we're gonna have to figure out how exactly we edit down because they are long um insightful though they are insightful so without any further ado i guess we will move on to um scotland and here is fraser's take on scotland new zealand Hi, this is Fraser from Aberdour. Um Just <laughs> really, really enjoyed the game. Um, I really, really love it when Scotland play good rugby. Um, and I thought Finn Russell was good. Um, in my opinion, uh, Sean Lamont could have come on at some stage just to help bring a bit of ball carrying to the back line. But... Um, yeah, other than that, I thought we went really well. 
joking, I am. That was me doing an absolutely pitch-perfect pitch impression of Fraser, who is from Aberdour. Uh, let's actually hear what Fraser had to say. Do you come from a land down under? Yeah, so, I mean, Scotland versus New Zealand, I don't really know where to start. I'm still kind of on a bit of a come down, I think, from, from last Saturday. Um, hugely mixed emotions after the game, if I'm honest. Um, a lot of positive, positives to take from it. Um, also, a lot of uh, there's a lot of development points, um, and I guess you call them negatives as well. I, I don't think I've ever been so exhausted after watching a rugby match in my life. Um, when when Hog broke through at the end, I think the whole of Scotland were probably on their feet at that point. Um, I've never felt such a, a an instant sobering um, of my rugby emotions before when Barrett tackled him. Um, it was kind of a ha hand on head moment. Sit back in your chair and just kind of think what the what the f what the hell went on there um but yeah i mean what what an incredible i guess firstly first half performance um it was well incredibly powerful um it was 15 scottish guys just trying to absolutely batter um new zealand which they did quite successfully and certainly had them rattled um as ireland did in in chicago and the lions did in in new zealand um the I would have said it was a phenomenal performance, but I felt that we maybe just lacked a bit of accuracy, um, which I'll touch on in a second. Um, I think you can look at the game kind of in in two ways. On one hand, you can say, yeah, we played extremely well. Um, after it, my kind of first, first emotion was that I was extremely proud of the way that we played and I guess proud of the way Scotland are playing at the moment. But... And yeah, I mean, you can you can look at how far we've come in the last kind of five years, from from what Vern took over to to where we are now. It's I mean, it's light and day or night and day. Sorry, um, you can look at how easily we're scoring tries, how difficult a place Murrayfield is becoming to, or for for away teams to come to. Um, it's not a nice place. I think certainly last year you could feel kind of the nerves around the Irish and Welsh sides coming, which is great. Uh, it's great for Scottish rugby. Um, and you could probably say that that performance on Saturday was was perhaps more significant in kind of the life cycle of Scotland at the moment than than maybe the two big wins against Wales and Ireland last year. Um, although I think maybe this weekend I'll I'll, I'll define that possibly. Um, on the other hand, you can you can maybe look in at the match and say, well, we missed a lot of opportunities. Um, I think, I mean, just off the top of my head from watching the game back, you look at Seymour, probably at his worst game in a Scotland jersey, um, usually Mr. Dependable, dropped a ball um, into touch, um, let the ball touch his knee and then touch it down over the line, um, which I think New Zealand uh, eventually scored point. I think they, they got a penalty eventually from, from that in the first half and took the three. Um, and then you can look at Fagerson, who actually dropped... The, the catch up the other end to, to put Seymour back in that position and then also got a penalty in the scrum um, against him. Um, obviously, his carry, we were hugely on the front foot and he, he maybe ran a line on his own and uh, Price should have gone behind him, but he's got to be he's got to be catching that 10 times out of 10. Um, Hugh Jones again, Cornell Dupree, both of those, those two dropped a ball. I think Dupree's was after Hogg's first of many breaks and Jones was kind of when we were on the front foot um, 
he tried to straighten and, and dropped again five meters out. So there were so many chances there for for Scotland to, I guess, really really kind of capitalise. And you, you, part of me thinks kind of same old Scotland, but I guess the, the number of chances that we're creating now is so much that we are getting we are getting a lot of tries. So obviously a huge positive there. Um, going back to obviously kind of what it means, I think. It's it's often the case, but even more so in this test series, this weekend kind of oddly defines how big last weekend was, if that makes sense. Um, I just think that, I mean, previously, or, or I said before that, that this test series, that I'm not sure how how significant this is for, um, for Townsend. I think he's maybe got a bit of a free hit here with all the injuries, but almost the way that they've played against New Zealand makes the, the Australia game so much more important. But um yeah, I guess we'll we'll, we'll see. Um we'll see how we get on this weekend. I think one one thing I would say is that the the way I I don't think anyone will be alone, um or I don't think I'll be alone in this as a Scottish fan or actually a rugby fan in general. I think it's watching Scotland at the moment is is extremely exciting. I'm not sure there's a more exciting national team in the Northern Hemisphere to to watch at the moment. I don't think anyone else brings the level of excitement that Scotland are bringing um, on on the national scene in the Northern Hemisphere. Obviously, New Zealand and Australia are are ahead, but for me, I mean, I may be biased, but I'll be interested to see what your guys' thoughts are. They're they're a phenomenal phenomenal side to watch at the moment, which is is a, a nice change for me to have. Thanks, Fraze. Insightful as always. Uh, and as mentioned before, we will be getting reports from Down Under. Fraser will be giving us up-to-the-minute reports from the Ashes, Australian weather, and Scotland, from a Southern Hemisphere perspective. Mo, you didn't get to watch the Scotland game, right? Well, I've watched numerous highlights, and I did was in tuned in for the last 10 minutes. Yeah. What did you think? I think they're Scotland are certainly the coming force on, on this side of... Uh, the equator for for certain. Um, I think it's another it's another step in the right direction, and obviously, you know, in the end, not the result they wanted, but um, you know, to go toe to toe and to play, I think that style and be able to go toe to toe is so impressive. It was no soft New Zealand team, uh, and obviously they were they were right in it with uh, the last play of the game. Uh, that said. It's still a defeat, and many teams have kind of had these days where they've run New Zealand close over the years. Um, for me now, it's really about how they kick on from that, and I think the game against Australia this weekend is the perfect opportunity to um, to continue those steps forward. I think, obviously, in Short Hog, they've got world class, um, and he, I mean, just I actually watched a full highlights package of just him this after, this evening, and I mean, he's just everyone on the edge of their seat threat um to break the line every single time he gets the ball um so you know having that at the back of an already pretty impressive back line is a huge advantage and the other thing i think that has been big for them is they've uncovered a couple of front five players but also um laidlaw has is injured and that's brought in um or given the captaincy to barkley and i think that is a positive move for them and i think that will stay like that come six nations and, and it's, it's also meant price. that it's brought in ali price to allow them to play with a more tempo um and i think 
although they obviously never hope to, to lose Laidlaw, I think that's um, a bit of a blessing in disguise, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and as you say, just Hoggy on the weekend, he's just such a buzz of excitement. He Every time he gets the ball, they, they look terrified of him. And if if they don't have a 10 as, uh, who's as quick as, as Budden Barrett is, potentially Hogg goes and wins Scotland the game on Saturdays. You know, mm-hmm. you win games because of the players you've got and fortunately for New Zealand, they've got a player like that. But he was just in electric form. I mean, I'm trying to f- get up his stats uh, for the match. But unfortunately... Well, the, the, biggest, the biggest compliment I can pay to him is that New Zealand would absolutely love to have him in the back line and you cannot say that about too many... Um, Northern Hemisphere backs, I don't think. Um, no. He's he's really that good. Um, and it's not even it. just his it's not even just his uh, his side steppery and like his ability to break the line. His little grubber kick, uh, which led to the Hugh Jones try, was superb. The deafness of touch, the vision to see it, and then it's executed brilliantly afterwards. But it's a, yeah. if he doesn't place that ki- he doesn't put that kick in, Scotland don't score a try. Yeah, uh, he really. He really is the, the full package at, the, at this stage. Um, it's interesting, I was reading recently, that he shed a few pounds and um, he's got a bit quicker and uh, and fitter. And obviously, he was just reminding us last weekend, and I guess New Zealand as well, of um, what we unfortunately missed uh, during the summer with that kind of unfortunate incident um, that, that put him out. But um, it seems to have you know given him a bit of an attitude to come back and um, you know, show what he can do. And, uh, long way, long way that continue, but he'll be a threat to all of us come Six Nations. Yeah, exactly. And I think actually, having seen the way that Liam Williams and Stuart Hogg have now gone against them, and admittedly I didn't watch enough of the rugby championship, but I'm sure that the likes of Israel Folau was doing that were, were causing them issues as well because it looks they don't seem to like. I think they've become so used to teams kicking it and trying to get gain territory against them. They really don't like it when they when they've got a fifteen that's willing to counter attack and who's got the ability to 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 spot gaps. They because well, Williams and and Hogg both have exploited them in that in that uh, respect. The thing that I would say is that if you've got a fifteen without no pace and given the license to to counter. It's a t- it's very hard to defend against out and out pace in a broken field if you don't yeah. have you know a full kind of twelve thirteen players covering the field and in a broken play situation you might have seven or eight. I mean if you think of the Liam Williams uh, situation, I mean he's I think picked on a forward and you know defenders are pre- spread pretty wide. So if you've got a, a fullback or or a winger with the pace, um, given the space and given the license to go, it's very very hard to defend. So um, like you say, a lot of people probably just choose to. To kick kick safe, um, but it just shows that if you have a play, I mean, Hogg's going to be given the license, um, for his whole for his whole career, um, at this point. But, um, it is such a threat, and wait until you see his counterattacking line breaks in the Six Nations. They'll be in every single game. I can guarantee you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, he scored against us off a counter a few seasons ago, where again he, you know, just picked his man in the line and and went and and outpaced him on the outside and. Uh, It'll it'll continue to happen when you've when you've got pace like that. Mm-hmm. He can also one other thing he, he carries the ball in two hands, um, and he can you know he has got nice hands and and you know sometimes does take it to the line and pass and that just terrifies defenders even further. Yeah, exactly, exactly that. It's the most terrifying thing that you know any defender will say is when the guy's got two ball in two hands he can do it whatever he wants. Um, yeah, so moving well, I, on, I think the uh, sorry just before we we go off that two things just 
how big uh, tomorrow is the Scotland game. I think it's so it's, the Australia game is so big for them. I personally think Australia have as much to to prove after last weekend, um, and I would uh, back them to win the game. But it really is a huge uh, autumn for for Scotland if they can if they can get that job done. The other thing, um, the Bowden Bar try from last weekend. One of my favourite tries I've seen in a long, long time. It is stunning. It's just it's, New Zealand at their absolute best. It's the crispness of the passing, the running. No, like the line that Mackenzie hits, the quality of the offload, Mackenzie's pass, and then Bart's pace to get away and just go over on Mark. It, like you literally done with one, the move done with 100% accuracy. Um, and over you go. Absolute quality. And it really because Scotland were building a bit of momentum at that stage and it really just killed the mood. I mean, I know that Scotland then regained that momentum, but oh, it was just... Yeah, it's what they say, can do. It's what they can do. It's a, it's a try that potentially only New Zealand could score. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, so moving on, we'll, 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 we'll get Fraser's thoughts on the Scotland game, uh, sorry, the Ar uh, Australia game uh, in a second, but slightly more... Um, well, it depends how you look at it, I guess. Disappointing news from a Scotland perspective is uh, this week that Finn Russell has um, has been announced that he is departing. Uh, let's get Fraser's thoughts on that just now. Hi, yeah, this is Fraser from Aberdeer again. Uh, <laughs> I really, you know, I played against Finn a couple of times. So with, with Finn's departure... I think this is this is quite an interesting one because Scotland's quite a unique country in the sense that we we only have two pro teams so turnover for us for us is actually quite important um to make sure that our our young talent comes through um as long as that's managed well by the SRU obviously so there there's definitely positives and negatives around the the Finn thing I think first and foremost for Finn obviously it's a, it's a no-brainer um I don't think you can hold anything against him the, the rumours are that 700k is, is what he's been offered annually, which is, is phenomenal and I think he deserves it um, compared to, to some of the other figures that are going around at the moment. Um, so obviously delighted for him. Um, there's also obviously the other the, the other side of things. When you look back at obviously sex and having gone there at O'Gara, some of the comments that he's made about it, you it concerns me for his personal development. Um, just around kind of the standards that maybe exist in France, the, the professionalism, is that the best thing for Finn? Does the league suit him? I think, I mean, he, he should in theory tear up. They're very unstructured over there. The defences are very unstructured, but really what he needs to be doing is developing the structured side of his game. So it suits the way that he plays, but does it suit kind of him and his development moving forward? I'm, I'm not I'm not convinced. So it'll be interesting to see how he goes. Um, obviously, from a Glasgow pr perspective, there's a bigger picture of Johnny Gray as well. Personally, I feel that that we could let Johnny Gray go. I think we're Scotland are fairly strong um, through both youth and the experience level at, at second row. We've got boys like Cummins at Glasgow, Hunter Hill, who's the 20s captain last year, who looks a good prospect, um, and Lewis Carmichael, both of those at Edinburgh. Um, so I, I mean I think it's the the grey scenario is is quite interesting. I would have much rather Finn stayed and Grey left if I had to keep um, one or the other. Um, but I guess we'll we'll see how that how that pans out. Um, I guess the positive of Finn leaving is that obviously it it allows for um, boys like Adam Hastings to come through. So he's going to be absolutely crucial um, 
to Glasgow's success over the next sort of five years now. I think um, Glasgow have to get this right. And I mean, we'll see whether Hastings is a real deal or not probably in the next 18 months. Um, so far, he, he's looked good. Um, he's, there's been a lot of positives. That he, he, he's not just kind of the kicking 10 that I think a lot of people thought he was at 20. He, he does run the ball very well as, as well. He's good defensively. Um, he's a big lad and obviously has a good boot as well. So hopefully he gets a bit more game time this season and kicks on. If he doesn't, then the SRU and Glasgow need to act and they need to they need to be able to sign big at 10. And that's obviously hugely difficult at the moment with the figures that are going around. So, yeah, I mean, in summary, great move for, for Finn from a, a financial and, I guess, personal challenge perspective. I'm not so sure whether it'll it'll challenge him as as much as a move to the Viva Premiership would have, um, but fair play to him, um, and we we obviously wish him the best of luck. He's been a great servant to Glasgow and and deserves the opportunity. I think that Fraser is is really taking the the silver lining here. I think it's a massive loss, uh, maybe more than he's than he's made out there. Yeah, uh, it's so difficult to say because you look at a player. Yeah. Like, I, it could, ahead, it could it could be the making of him, and you know there's loads of very good tens that have gone to France. Townsend obviously will, you know, I'm certain he will have talked to him obviously beforehand. He's done it. He's played all over the world. Um, Stephen Jones of uh, of Wales more recently, he went off and played in France. So it, it could be the making of him, or it could just be he could end up having two waste two to three wasted years uh, before he thinks back to Glasgow. Yeah, I just think, okay, we, the money aside, and we maybe get to that in a moment. But for every for every one good story there is, there's three um, three stories that didn't work out so well. I mean, the mm. ones that jump to mind for me are um, even Madigan. Now I know it's a different kind of level, but Sexton, yeah. Jamie Roberts, Jonathan Davies. Mm. I mean, they've all put some cash in the bank. Um, but did any of them? get better, enhance their, you know, their rugby career. I mean, yeah, they, they got to see about the world and they lived abroad and there's positives and all of that, but I just mean yeah. purely rugby development-wise. Um, and I think particularly going to France and Fraser's made that point. Um, and I do agree with them. I, you know, I think as a Scottish fan, you'd prefer to see him just um, down the motorway somewhere in England um, because the way now that he... Well, you'd I guess, prefer to see him in Glasgow, but yeah. Well, of course, but if he had to go... Um, you know, he'll be playing 10, 12 games in a row. He'll be flying back for the off week during the Six Nations, um, which Sexton did. Um, and he'll, you know, generally take a bit of a battering. And obviously then he's just, as Scotland have kind of developed into this three quarters of the Glasgow side and, and almost mm. the whole Glasgow backline, And they lose that continuity, um, which is really building nicely for them. So I think it's a huge loss. Um I can fully understand, and I wouldn't begrudge him for going. Um, but no, whether or not it's the best move for his, well, you do, you, you do, and I mean, you're probably talking double or at least double wages. Um, and you know, I don't know if any of us are turned down. Is it is it confirmed, uh, Rassing? Yeah, it's it confirmed, is. Rassing now. Yeah, and it, it, it's a, um, it's an interesting one because like, Rassing, they've they've got a pretty nice bat line. You could see it could go either way. It, 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 he could develop. I don't. Dan Carter is obviously leaving, so he's going to fill Dan's shoes. But it'll be. I don't know. I hope it works out. But I, uh, France is an odd one. I think it. 
you see a lot of forwards that have gone there and become better players for it. The first one that really springs to mind for me is Luke Chartres. I think he became a he became a much better second row in France because it is just such a hard, demanding league for forwards, particularly. But mm-hmm. it's it's well, it's a completely struggling. four-dominated league. There's no doubt. Yeah, I, I'm just struggling to think of very recently a back that has gone there and really. I mean, Nick Abendanon, I suppose, has become a fantastically. He was already a very good player at Bath and just not recognised by England. Um, and he is, he's definitely kicked on in, in Claremont, but that's mm-hmm. kind of the only one I can think of. Yeah, but it's this, it's the, it's the balancing an international career in parallel, which is the real yeah, exactly. comparison you have to make. And um, like I say, it's uh, just for hearing Sexton's experience, and even hear O'Gara talks pretty openly, pretty candidly about it that. I mean, the attitude in France compared to what it would be in in any of the home nations um, mm. is just very lax, very laissez-faire. Um, gym can be optional. Um, gym? No. Not today. Exactly. Um, and le, I don't know again... The gymnasium? <laughs> you got in a couple of accents tonight. <laughs> we mightn't be done yet. I'm throwing them all about. <laughs> So yeah, you know, just just I mean, Fraser's made the point just about personal development, and um, I, that way I don't know um, how that'll work out. And again, just then obviously the lack of control that the SRU will over his minutes and his game time and his welfare. Um, but again, good luck to the laddies earning himself a, a big payday, and um, he may as well take it. The other interesting thing is, I don't know of any Scottish presence there. Um, Carter will be gone, and O'Gara will be gone. So it's not like he has a kind of a natural mentor that he's going to be under um mm. but obviously he's he's taken a a big step into the into the unknown and um yeah. you know Fair he's made the decision him. to do that yeah uh, and on that you mentioned O'Gara we will we will go on to the Scotland Australia match but he has made the the I mean quite bold call uh to move um to the other side of the world himself and he is joining the Crusaders from January 1st what do you think of that well, I think unprecedented is the first word for it. Um, I think it's refreshing. We are inundated, and we seem to have. Yes, we we're uh, we have a constant influx, obviously, of Southern Hemisphere, uh, particularly New Zealanders and uh, New Zealand coaches um, coming up here, and I mean, obviously, they do bring jobs. a quality of coaching with them, but they do. Uh, there's certainly a view that you know, if someone speaks with a with a New Zealand or an Australian accent, we automatically um rate them better as a coach maybe we do the same with players as well but certainly so. there aren't too many irish if any uh, coaches that have gone down there um, it's a huge opportunity for them and i mean the crusaders haven't um been hugely successful you know since the since the noughties but obviously they're now champions they've got scott robertson in and won the um super rugby last year and look really good doing so so mm. it's an unbelievable opportunity for them um jess o'gara his wife must be a very agreeable woman they've got five kids under I'm going to say 10. Bloody hell, O'Gara likes to batter it out. Um, so, yeah, it's obviously a big move for them. I think, obviously, France was a big move, and then they had um, kids in school and stuff there. Um, but to move in January, I don't know. Maybe they won't. Maybe they'll uh, phase it um, and, and come out in the summer or something like that. But um, I'm sure he's thought of all that. But it seems pretty abrupt. I mean, the, it was announced that, that, that there was talks on the day of our South Africa game. So that's two weeks ago tomorrow. Um, and it's all sewn up already. So... Um, it's interesting. I think he's he's served his time um, 
in France, obviously, he went in as a skills coach and graduated then to um, a defensive coach, and now he's going there as um, as a backs coach. So he's ticking off a nice few um, steps on on the CV. And obviously, the big thing I see more and more now with um, coaching careers is that once you get to the top, you can really only fall off. So I think he's timing it nicely. Like he could probably have pushed and got into the monster setup or got some close to the monster job in the last couple of years. Um, but he's probably better off not having the monster job for another five, six, seven years. Um, and, and like I say, draw out his, uh, his run to what he probably sees. Um, his ultimate goal of being the Ireland head coach one day. Um, but drawing out that process a bit longer and picking up experiences from different parts of the world along the way. Absolutely. He'll be learning so much that, I mean, you say, oh, we all we automatically um, sort of treat anyone with a a Kiwi accent as as Messiah, but it's because they're pretty good at it. And absolutely, he he will be learning so so much because the, you know you just have to look at Super Rugby this season and just see how far ahead the new the Kiwi sides even are against the likes of the South Africans and the Australians. Uh, it, there is no better place to get. To, to do your schooling and yeah. yeah as you say he'll come back he might take he might get a role at Munster or he might who knows in a few years time he, he might be fancying himself to jump straight into the Ireland either get you know head coach or assistant coach don't know but we'll see yeah I just I get the I'd be interested just what he picks up in terms of the the culture obviously we always have this thing about the skills that are learned down there from a young age Mm. Um, through academy level and so on so it's going to be so interesting to see his learnings and, and what he can pick up and um, ultimately bring back mm. um, from all of that because you always hear of I guess coaches but even more so players who come over here uh, to various teams and they kind of um, things that people you know pick up off them habits and learnings um, but he's obviously going to be seeing that firsthand every single day and um, rather that it's going to be the rule rather than the exception so um, yeah, it's obviously a massive move for him. Huge uh, franchise, huge club, huge opportunity, and um, hopefully it goes well for him. Absolutely. All right. Uh, as I mentioned, we'll uh, we obviously don't want to. Uh, you touched on it very briefly. Um, Scotland, Australia this weekend. Um, strangely, Fraser. I guess Fraser's probably flying to Australia at the time of the match. But let's get. <laughs> I thought his it was stop. an away game. <laughs> Imagine, Fraser's just really, really committed to Scotland, but not committed enough to actually check the fixtures properly. Um, okay, let's get Fraser's thoughts on 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 the match. With the um, w with the Australia game, I think as I mentioned, this last week has turned this game into a proper test match. I think Townsend, as as I said, Townsend maybe could have got away with. Um, testing a few things out in this this series but now I mean this weekend really is it's important to kind of see how far Scotland have come and where their mental mental state is at I know that Lee Jones said after the match um, last week that all the boys wanted to do was was play again um, or play New Zealand again this week and I guess they can't do that but they've probably got the next best thing um, in Australia it's going to be a huge test of her defence. I think having Dunbar out will be a big blow. Um, he obviously runs a lot of her defence and is big in terms of collisions, whereas Horn, who's coming in, is a, a much better passer, which I guess could work in her favour in terms of um, getting over the line. 
fully expect there to be a lot of tries this weekend. Um, I don't think anyone else would, would disagree. It's meant to be an incredibly cold cold weekend up in, in Edinburgh, so hopefully the Aussies don't like that. But um, no, I, it's it's not... It's not been the case since in, in my lifetime anyway that I've gone into uh, a match against the Southern Hemisphere or we've gone into a match against the Southern Hemisphere side and expected to win. And I think if Scotland, this weekend, I, I, I fully expect that, that we're going to win. And I think if Scotland want to improve and want to compete at, at the kind of top level as a top tier nation, it's time for, as a nation, to, to kind of stop I guess embracing the the underdog tag. I don't think you'll see too many of the top teams that would welcome um, being underdogs. So I think it's it's about time that Scotland kind of get rid of that and are less proud of it. Um, and I know we've spoken about this before with with Ireland's mentality as well. It's it's a hard thing to kind of shirk as a nation. Um, but I think the, the attitude of of the Scotland team will obviously dictate dictate a lot of that they're, they're, they're the ones that are kind of inspiring us so yeah it's it's hugely exciting and looking forward to it all right thanks for us really good reporting um so looking at it the bookies have got scotland plus four uh i think that's pretty i think that, that's pretty good that's bang on for me yeah i uh i mean that's but i generally on the minus yeah, have you? Uh, I was going to go. No, I haven't. Out. I haven't, but I would if if you were to force me to back something. I am forcing you to back something. Uh, Australia minus four then. Oh yeah, you already said that. Um, all right. Yeah. No, I, I, I think Scotland missing Dunbar, the who's a late withdrawal. I think that's going to be a big loss. His, his physicality in midfield, his partnership with Hugh Jones, which is already developing, is um, will be a loss, and especially against you know. What is a pretty big and physical Australian side these days, um, but saying that Horn coming in at twelve will add a little bit of baller. You know, he's almost playing. You know, he's a ten he has, twelve very much. Yeah, exactly. He's he's playing that role for them. So it'll be interesting to see how him and Hugh Jones go. Hugh Jones is he's got defensive frailties, but he is electrifying and. He is on. He certainly was earlier on. He might not be now. He was twenty to one on Paddy De Power to score first. So that is worth. You, you love a first try score bet only to have the game ruined as a hooker rolls over after three minutes. The game is not ruined. I still enjoy the game, but I enjoy. It no, more. I hate. I hate, I don't like that. I never, ever, ever make first try score bets as a rule. Well, you're a fool because I have won. If anything, book it, book if anything, make a last try score bet and. Then it's Sometimes alive until Sometimes the I final listen is blown. Sometimes I go first and last. <laughs> Sometimes I spend too much any this, money. Any this weekend? Any this weekend? Uh, I've got a double this weekend. Of Sam Simmons. Go on, Simmons. tell me how ridiculous... Yeah, okay. Sam Simmons and Hugh Jones to score first. <laughs> what, a, what does that give you? Uh, five pounds returns 1,300. Thank you very much indeed. Well, I hope it goes well for you. Yeah, so do I. I'll take you out for a nice steak dinner. Um, it'll go into the top two into his Christmas fund. Um, all the right, fund okay. is looking pretty healthy at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, so, have we got anything else to say about Scotland? Apologies 
kind of underserved Scotland, but I'll probably just play the whole clip. No, I think Fraser. we haven't. We'll have very much over-service when we hear Fraser's endless ramblings. Yeah, 30 minutes of Fraser monologue on Scotland, which you will have already heard by now. Um, yeah, all right. Um, Mo, what time are you heading to Dublin tomorrow? Um, I don't know, I'm going to get down early, maybe head around 12. Are you going to a serious sesh? Um, there'll be a few, a few pints, all right, I'd say, yeah, should be good. Will you drink Guinness? I will drink Guinness until I can drink no more of it, and then I'll drink something a bit lighter. Um, it, I just looked at the forecast. It is chilly. Chilly. There'll be coats and hats and gloves and the whole kit and caboodle. Cover up that wee head of yours. Indeed. I'll get all red. Um, all right, cool. Well, I hope you have a, a good day out. I, I do suspect that you'll, you will pump Argentina, but... I have been wrong about rugby almost every time I've called it. So <laughs> you probably lose. And Wales will probably win, which, in the words of Lee Byrne, would be the worst thing that could happen to Welsh rugby this weekend, which is pretty much the stupidest thing you could say. Uh, has he got a book to sell again? Yeah, I mean, uh, he's he's basically just trying to say controversial stuff at this stage. So big fan of Lee, but like, less of that. I'm a big fan of him as a 15. I'm not sure of, like, yeah. Morally. <laughs> just saying that those Wales beating New Zealand for the first time since 1953 would be the worst thing that could happen to Welsh rugby. It could literally be the best thing. Have you read his book? His book because the... The Burn Identity, I read just that my excerpt. favourite name of rugby book. <laughs> the excerpt that uh, talks about his, like, how his career ended and he... Eventually got called in for like a Fiji game and he told Harry to stick it. No, he just didn't even answer him. He totally pied the call. No, I do. Like he, I, I, ever I'll since he, he hates Welsh rugby from, from that he, day on. He hates everything and everyone involved in Welsh rugby. He is a one man campaign to see Gatlin and Howley sacked and then he will start supporting Wales again. Yeah, I think so. A two I mean, man, so, you some and of him. this stuff is pretty petty, but. Um, but I fully support him, and I loved watching him cut lines. So, yeah, not cut, cut rugby lines. lines. Um, I've never been to an after party with him. Uh, <laughs> all right. On that note, we shall we shall go for the weekend. Uh, we shall blabber no more. We shan't. Uh, hopefully, all the recording went okay. Not least for me editing this in post. So, um, yeah, enjoy, listen, share, be. Lovely. Okay? Good night. Good night. What's your philosophy on attack with this team? End of them, basically. Um, up the guts and then, uh, yeah, swing it wide and, and uh, in the corner. <laughs>